0: The Montana State Hospital in Warm Springs has been rolling over rough waters of late, with difficulties maintaining staff, a COVID-19 outbreak that claimed the lives of four patients, and most recently, a loss of Medicare funding from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid. In this episode of the podcast, Montana Department of Public Health and Human Services Director Adam Meyer calls in to provide an update on these recent and ongoing challenges and what's being done to address them. A lot of tough situations to talk about regarding the current status of the hospital. So it was great to hear directly from Director Meyer about these recent developments, and we appreciate him for taking the time to speak on these tough subjects. And I hope you'll appreciate his thoughts and comments here as well
1: department of public health and human services director adam meyer is with us now and i appreciate you uh, director meyer being here and uh, talking about some of these um some of these difficulties and we can start with maybe root causes because uh, i know as you encounter these challenges i think to address them you have to look at uh, what the origin was sure
0: yeah and thanks tom for having me and an opportunity to provide an update here on the on the state hospital so You know, first, I do want to say how committed we are to serving the patients at MSH now and and really reforming the facility for future generations. Uh, That commitment has never been stronger. Um, But, you know, it's important to understand that these struggles at MSH have existed for for a long time and have remained unaddressed. And, you know, what we saw during COVID really exacerbated um, kind of those longstanding issues. So when you think about what are some of the causes, you know, we are in the midst of a, a healthcare workforce shortage across the state. So there's, you know, facilities of all types, um, community providers, et cetera, who are all really struggling to staff, provide staff for uh, really meeting the basic needs of, of what they're trying to do. And so um, that that is really acute at MSH because we are a safety net hospital. And so where other, um, you know, other facilities who may have workforce shortages are able to maybe take less clients or, or close some beds, we don't have that luxury and so, as we've struggled to retain, recruit staff, um, we've had to leverage uh, a higher uh, proportion of what we call contract staff or, or travelers um, to bring them into the state. And, and when you do that, right, you lose some of the, the institutional knowledge, and you have people cycling in and out in you know 12 or 14 week cycles. Uh, so you're having to constantly retrain, and you know you just lose a little bit of that uh, that quality. And so that's. That's been a real struggle there and something we've been really struggling with as, as COVID has made that situation even worse. Um, and so, you know, that's that's been kind of the issue uh, kind of going back even prior to COVID. And, and so when you add the healthcare shortage that, that came with COVID and, and then all the extra protocols and policies around um, infection control and those sorts of things, um, it just became a, a very high bar to be able to meet. Um, with a with a smaller and smaller staff, and so that's that's uh, been a struggle. But um, you know, it's something that we really recognized um, pretty early on when we came in, um, and so taking a number of steps to try to address that. Um, but you know, I think it's you know important that your your listeners know that um, it, you know because it's it's been such a longstanding issue, it's going to take some time to uh, really turn the trajectory around. For the long term, and so we're no, there's no quick fix here, um, but there are you know longer term solutions, and we really lo- have to look broad. We have to be data driven, uh, we have to be strategic, and we have to think about what is the future of psychiatric care look like in the state? Um, you know, how can we really create use this as, as an opportunity to create access to increase uh, you know increase the provider pool that increase the workforce um, that can really fulfill this need around the state and MSH is is really the hub of that and so we have to make sure that we're investing in you know strategic solutions that can really turn that around
1: what is it um administratively then we, we you know we talk about uh the labor shortages and and that's happening across a broad range and then you know there's funding that's associated with that um, when, when you look at some of those pro- and, and then uh, the Warm Springs uh, in, in and of itself, um, that's a hospital that has been around a long time. And I'm not sure over the years that they have had uh, much updating. So um, outside of labor and then maybe um, uh, outside of that, what is it administratively that perhaps had led to this?
0: So, I mean, I do think you have the labor shortage, and, and certainly there's challenges with facility footprint. Um, I think also the the increased uh, kind of population, right, um, mm-hmm. and, and the needs have gotten more complex. So a lot more co-occurring uh, conditions and disorders. Um, for example, a number of the issues that were cited um, were related to what's called the SPRAT unit. So these are uh, typically people that, you know, may require elder care, dementia care, nursing level of care. Um, but then they also have co-occurring psychiatric diagnosis, for example. Um, and these are people that that are really complex and hard to treat, and uh, most facilities in the state will not take them. And so we're seeing just a higher proportion of more complex cases. At the same time, we have you know really less expertise to to serve them and less workforce available to serve them. Um, and so I think that's that's part of it. I think, you know, continuing to look at, um, and one of the things that we did um, last last fall, um, we started putting an RFP together. Um, under you know, recognizing that really we need additional bandwidth, we need additional expertise to come in and look at our policies and procedures, uh, look at the culture and the climate of the facility, um, and not just MSH, but all of our healthcare facilities. Right, we're we're not limited to our issues just at the, the state hospital. We're certainly seeing these type these types of challenges at. Uh, some of our other safety net providers that we operate here at BPHHS. So we put an RFP out, understanding that we needed additional bandwidth, we needed expertise, because when you're operating right in crisis mode, 24-hour, um, seven facility, um, you know it's hard to, to carve out the time to you know to sit and study and provide strategic solutions for you know long-term sustainable efficiencies and improvements in outcomes, right? So uh we were uh lucky enough to attract a, a really high quality uh provider uh Alvarez and Marsal and they will come in they're going to provide executive support to all of our facilities but they're starting at MSH um, and that's something that i think will be really valuable because they'll have the time to really look at our policies our procedures our training regimens um, you know our recruiting and retention policies and think really long term about what what does this facility need to provide you know, modern, up-to-date, top-of-the-line care to our patients that we serve? Um, what does it take to you know, look at the community that we have to you know, uh, discharge people in or to keep people from coming into MSH, right? Because a lot of what we're seeing is, isn't just an issue with MSH, but it's really an issue with our entire continuum of care. Um, and it's one of the reasons we also launched a provider rate study last year The state, at least in recent memory, has not had a a comprehensive provider rate study, um, especially as it relates to Medicaid reimbursement. And it's important that we understand what it's going to take to properly fund uh, the care that we expect and and that we need here in the state to attract providers uh, either to build here, to relocate here, to expand here um, their practice so that we can provide a continuum of care because there's a lot of gaps here in our continuum and and because of those gaps people end up in institutional care. And so being able to properly invest in the community um, to invest in in the facilities to invest in the people that uh that provide these health healthcare services it's going to be critical but we have to know what that looks like. We have to know what it's going to take to fund it. We have to know what are those other variables people are thinking and considering as they, they choose their their professions or their practices uh that they want to operate here. And so all of these things are being looked at. Um, comprehensively. And that's why, you know, it's going to take some time to really, you know, get our infrastructure up to speed, Um, not just at MSH, but really across the board. Um, But we're taking the steps, and we we really started taking the steps last year to do this, and, um, you know, including within our department, we reorganized our department, and that included a reorganization of our healthcare facilities. Uh, Previously, they had operated in three different divisions. Um, with separate leadership, and so we saw common threads and common themes and common issues across the board. Uh, so we, we put them all into one division. We're bringing in, um, you know, leadership to really oversee commonalities and address common issues across those facilities. Um, and part of that uh, effort really was to bring in the contracted expertise to really set that new divisional leadership up for success, uh, because right now, um, you know, I think just given the many long-standing challenges, anybody who walks in the door is really going to face an uphill battle in being able to really drive strategic uh, change uh, that you know relies on data, that relies on um, bandwidth, that relies on you know having a healthy culture uh, at each of these workplaces that we operate. So a lot of uh, a lot of things in motion, right? We're making a lot of progress, um, even on the ground at MSH. We brought in um, you know a contractor. Uh, from here in Montana, Mount Pacific Quality Health to really look at the issues that were raised in the CMS surveys and have made a lot of progress even, uh, you know, just in the last few months on really trying to address those very specific issues with improved quality controls and improved quality, uh, of our, of our policies and procedures, um, and training people, uh, to ensure that they understand those policies and procedures. So, um, you know, still should, still kind of enacting some changes with our, our reorganization, um, getting people in the right seats and, and really, you know, helping make sure that we can do what we can to leverage the talent that we have within our workforce while at the same time trying to attract and, and retain the talent um, that that's out there here in the state.
1: Yeah, I, I want to, uh, and it's Adam Meyer, Director of the Montana Department of Public Health and Human Service here. Uh, services uh, And I, I appreciate your time, director. Uh, I, as you talk about the talent there, you know, I, I generally ask about morale. And I know it's, uh, um, it's tough for a lot of folks in, in our healthcare. care. Uh, but with the loss of CMS uh, funding uh, or Medicaid funding, we'll, we'll talk about that down the road. But um, how do you encourage um, those people who are doing a very vital uh, but difficult job?
0: Yeah, I mean I think the the main thing is right getting getting their perspective and certainly you know I've had conversations with uh you know workers within all of our facilities um over the last you know 8 uh, 15 months I guess that I've been here. Um, but then also you know I think being being data driven about that. So one of the things that we're that we'll be doing with uh, with the consultants is um, what we call climate and culture assessments. And really that's a you know quantitative and qualitative approach, so we'll be not only meeting with them, but really asking direct questions uh, around, um, you know, what those issues are that they're seeing. What, what, what are things that can be improved? What are the things that make them happy? What are the things that, um, you know, that they struggle with at work? And um, you do that, at, first of all, in surveys and quantitatively, and then you move to the qualitative stage, right, and, and you really dive deeper once you have that data, you use that to then inform kind of the next round of qualitative questions, and, and that's where you can really get deep in, in perspective. So that will be part of it. Um, I think that's one of the things. Um, we also have what's known as um, uh, we're trying to create a culture of safety, and what I mean by that is, you know, is we're trying to introduce safety science into our healthcare facilities, so we started um, introducing this concept within our department, um, within several of our divisions, uh, really last year, um, but what it what it really does is it sends a message to the workforce that you want you want to create a culture where they can be open and transparent and they can bring risks and concerns to management or to safety or compliance and and you know this is something that that really grew out of um, say, the airline industry, nuclear energy industry, where you have critical incidents and you really want to make sure that people can be candid because people, workers, they don't go out and make that. Director Meyer,
1: with apologies, we've got a break here and uh, stand by. We'll come back with more from Adam Meyer from the DPHHS. Right after this. Building more sustainable supply chains means making the right transportation choices. And moving goods by rail with BNSF delivers the most for our environment. One ton of freight can move nearly 500 miles on one gallon of diesel fuel, reducing emissions by up to 75%. Shipping long-haul freight on BNSF improves sustainability for businesses and our communities. That's why orange is the new green. Uh, a pleasure to be speaking with Adam Meyer. He's the director of the Montana Department of Public Health and Human Services. Real, I think it's the state's largest agency, um, and they've got like a dozen divisions and maybe even more. And uh, obviously, a leader in the in this pandemic. And and uh, Director Meyer, again, really appreciate your, your time here. We're we're uh, wrapping up. Um, what is going on at Warm Springs? You know, there there, uh, people uh, they succumb to. Uh, I think there were three deaths uh, due to COVID. In the hospital, that was a very uh, serious situation there. And um, uh, can can you address that and and um, and, and maybe what steps um, you were alerted to that were necessary uh, through through that difficult time?
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we were really fortunate at MSH uh, throughout most of the pandemic uh, to you know really maintain pretty high quality infection control and. And really not have a whole lot of infections. Um, however, in the Delta sur- or the Omicron surge um, back in January, February, um, as we saw all across the state, it really exploded like wildfire, and uh, MSH ended up having an outbreak there. And so that ended up resulting in um, several infections, in- including uh, you know three uh, who had succumbed to the-, the infections at MSH while in our care. Um, so really unfortunate. Um, and really, uh, you know, would want to extend my thoughts and prayers to their families um, and the many families across the state who, you know, really struggled um, and had, you know, high uh, infections and some that included death. And it's, you know, something that we've all struggled with across the state. Um, but as we kind of looked at our situation there at MSH um, and the staffing shortages that we had, right, I think it made it harder for us to uh, make sure that we could staff the various areas of the facility and also, you know, keep as many people as we could isolated, um, given the rapid expansion that we saw or the rapid spread of that infection. So, um, because there's only so many places you can move people within that facility, and so trying to keep up with that, I think, became very difficult. Um, So, I think... You know, that's one of the things that as we continue to staff up and and strengthen our infection control policies, um, you know, we were able to learn from that and and incorporate some improvements into our policies around infection control. Um, And then I would also say that, you know, we we did see some issues with falls uh, and so took some actions to improve um, kind of how we documented that and also visual cues throughout um, either their rooms or, or on their person to ensure that people, as, as people transition staff from one to another, we understood that, you know, for example, adding certain color bracelets and things could help give visual cues to know that people were at higher risk for falls. So, um, a number of things that we're, we're working through um, to improve what what CMS raised in their surveys, um, but that that continues to be ongoing, and you know, it'll be something that we work on over the next six months to a year to really get that uh, facility to be all that it can be. Well,
1: um, funding. Uh, the state does the majority of funding for the state hospital in Warm Springs. Again, as I mentioned, Department of Health and uh, Public Health and Human Services in Montana. So it's a large agency. There's a lot of a lot of divisions in it. Um, CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, um, with that survey, then came in and um, and and withdrew funding. I think that the the total amounts to about seven million dollars. Do you plan on appealing that? Sure.
0: So yeah, what it is is uh so so CMS does not fund a lot of institutional care. So as you mentioned, you know we are largely supported by state general fund operations. But there are some services and some populations uh, that we serve that that do have eligible or would, it have medical reimbursement um, covered by Medicare and Medicaid. Um, and that is that is what was lost, uh, that, that reimbursement opportunity uh, through these surveys. And so um, when they made their findings and, and made the decision to remove certification, that resulted in about $7 million of our annual budget. Um, typically, that would be reimbursed, no longer being reimbursed. Um, and so while that doesn't impact our operations or how we approach things, it does impact how much we would expect to receive back in the state general fund uh, through that reimbursement process. Um, so I do want to make clear uh, to your listeners, right, this does not impact the people we serve. It doesn't impact the quality of service that we would provide. It doesn't impact who we would serve. Um, we're not, you know, we're, there's not going to be a mass exodus of, of people being pushed in different facilities. So I, I just want to reassure people that the state will continue operations, of the facility as it has in the past, and it's really a back-end financial issue that the CMS uh, decertification caused.
1: You know, in times like this, obviously you're, you're you're dealing with difficult situations, but it does raise awareness. And as we have been uh, trying here, and we see this movement across the country, more awareness about um, about mental health. And that's not the only service there, of course, at at Warm Springs, but uh, it's it is an opportunity to to reevaluate everything. And I know that you've um, uh, have mentioned that you're going to do that and get some get some data out of that. Um, what do you anticipate out of that, Director?
0: Yeah, so you know, as I mentioned, right, this this is a, a setback certainly, but you know, it doesn't change the course of where we were going and where we want to go, right? We want to make sure that we are assessing our our system as a whole, um, and certainly the integral piece that MSH plays in that um, in that continuum. And so, what I would anticipate is that as we as we get our results from our from our provider rate survey that we're conducting um, from our assessment and deep dive that our um, that our facility uh, you know consultants are providing that we come out of this with a strategic path of what it's going to take um, you know really as we go into next session uh, legislative session that we are informed about what it's going to take to really make systematic improvements to uh, psychiatric health care in our state and the governor is taking you know right off the bat took a number of steps with the heart initiative it was the single biggest new expenditure in the budget last year, and the legislature legislature was very supportive of that, and we were able to get that across the finish line. So that's uh, really a large financial investment um, in our mental health system. But we have to know how to invest that money strategically. Um, And so that's what I hope to get out of this, is that we come out of this with, you know, really a path forward for how Montana can really uh, take our, our care to the next level as it relates to psychiatric and mental health care in our
1: state. As you mentioned, that, that hard fund, uh, an announcement just a few days ago about the governor, the administration, and, of course, DPHHS awarding uh, $500,000 to tribal nations through the hard fund. Um, I, I wanted to talk, and we're going to move off of that. We only have just a few more minutes left, but there's a couple of things here on the plate as well. And this, for me, is just is good public service and, and information uh, for people to understand that the department, uh, DPHHS, provides legal document clinics um, beginning now through September. You can get information on the website there, too. Uh, But talk about that service. Talk about um, how important it is uh, and and what perhaps people um, will gain by attending a clinic.
0: So our legal services developer, developer program serves older adults age 60 and older, um, enrolled tribal members, and adults with disabilities. So at the clinic, legal professionals will volunteer to assist participants in completing their estate planning documents, assist older adult drafts, reviews, and notarize um, and copy each of those documents. Um, so this is going to be things like, um, you know, estate planning, probate, landlord-tenant exploitation, guardianships, collections, you know, garnishments, contract issues, Medicaid eligibility. Um, property issues, long-term care facility issues, uh, power of attorneys, um, really anything that's needed, um, they're there to provide that service to to those, you know, that vulnerable population who really needs to have as much of that kind of estate planning, you know, durable power of attorneys, those healthcare-related documents. That's when they tend to come up, and so it's important that we provide that service. You know, last year alone, The program completed over 850 documents through in-person clinics and over the phone. Um, We are hosting a number of in-person clinics. um, That started, we did one in Helena uh, earlier this month. Um, June 22nd to 23rd, we're having one in Frenchtown. July 27th and 28th, Thompson Falls, August 8th and 9th in Butte, and then September 14th and 15th in Baker. Um, And then people can also, you know, if they can't make the clinics, they can call 1-800-332-2272. They can register for those in-person clinics, or they can find assistance over the phone. Um, so I would highly encourage people who, who may be in need of this type of service who, um, again, who are 50 year older, um, they have a disability, they're rural tribal mem- members. This is a, a service that our legal professionals around the state volunteer for, are really grateful for that collaboration and for that, um, that service. Okay. And really appreciative of our team who really helps coordinate uh, that effort because it really is a, a fantastic service uh, that provides the people in need of those services.
1: Yeah. I, and again, I'll probably be talking about that a little more as time, uh, um, as time approaches. Uh, we missed one in April, but uh, June 22nd to the 23rd uh, in Frenchtown. Um, Adam, uh, uh, Director Meyer, I appreciate your time here. I, I, I want to, you know, uh, final thoughts uh, as well, but, um, as, as you look at what um, the pandemic, uh, we've just been through the past couple of years. It seems like the fog is lifting a little bit. Um, you know, y- your takeaway from this real difficult, challenging time.
0: Yeah, you know, there's been a lot of tragedy in this uh, last few years that we've all worked through as a community individually. Right. We've all been impacted in our families. Um, and I want to, you know, first of all, I want to thank our healthcare workers across the state. They've been just throughout this process, uh, the backbone, uh, that's got us through. Um, so certainly I want to, you know, thank our, our employees at our state hospital at our state operated facilities, but then really all across the state, our hospitals, um, we have just had, you know, a tremendous amount of stress that we've, that we've put on our healthcare workforce. Um, and it shows, right. And and that's one of the reasons we're really struggling to, uh, to staff all across our industry. Um, but, it just needs to be said that they have just been tremendous throughout this process. And, and we are really grateful for their continued service and, you know, really hope to see, you know, if you're a younger listener, um, we need more good people in healthcare. We need to, you know, we need to make sure that we're taking care of our vulnerable populations and it's rewarding. And there's a lot um, that I would encourage people to, to really consider as they think about their next step professionally. But, um, you know, really just wanted to, to get that out there that, you know, we can't thank the healthcare workforce enough across the state for really getting us through uh, very difficult times.
1: Oh, man. I, I know we, we all second that here. Uh, Director Adam Meyer, Department of uh, Montana, Department of Public Health and Human Services. Appreciate your time today, Adam. Uh, take care and we'll uh, we'll chat down the road. OK,
0: take care. Thank you.